Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we are here, as always, at the start of the month to shoot the flames. That's right. And uh, it's September now. We're starting to say goodbye to the summer. And with that, our summer blockbusters. That's right. So goodbye, summer blockbusters. And hello. (laughs) Hello, Wood. (laughs) Elijah Wood. That's right. We have lots of wood coming out for you this month. But first, we have to do all of the comments and questions and voicemails and trailers and horror news that you've come to love and expect from us. Chris, how are you? I'm okay. Yeah? You enjoy? I just moved. That's right. Brand new home. Brand new podcast nook. Yep. I was staying in a little rental house, and now I have bought a home of my own. And I have just put together a new nook that you have yet to see. This is a podcast nook 3.0, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I've enjoyed them all so far, so it stands to reason this could be my favorite, right? Mm. Maybe it's 4.0, actually, if you count the one in Boston. Yeah, we did record there together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two times, maybe. I don't know. Either way. Anyway. We're off topic already, but... um, So, yeah, we have a lot coming for you in this episode, so why don't we just get started? Uh, We didn't get any reviews this month, but, uh, you know, we like those reviews. So if you feel so inclined, if you enjoy this episode or any episode that we've put out, head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave us that review, five-star rating, and we'll read it on next month's Shooting the Flames. But uh, let's just move right on past that into comments. Yeah. Speaking of reading, we got a lot of comments this episode, starting with... Some reactions to our uh, anniversary outtakes. That's right. Kimberly over on Patreon said, Celebortion made me snort laugh, but fitting. That play was the theatrical equivalent of an abortion. <laughs> and we're talking about the play from Adam's Family of Values. That's right. So um, go and listen to our outtakes episode if you have not, because, um, yeah, we use the word celebration. At Matthew McHenry said, yes, these are the best. Congrats on three years. I'll take the latest bloopers episode as wonderful early birthday gift. Just as we intended it, Matthew. Yes. <laughs> and he comments on like almost all of our outtakes episodes. He's the guy who made those memes, right? Like he had Jaws saying rawr and shit. Oh, so. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, but most of our comments came from our episode of The Terminator, right? Yeah. And Nikki over on Twitter said, can't wait to listen. This was the next recommended watch for my oldest son. He loves listening to your podcast because he thinks I'm famous since you mentioned my name, LOL. <laughs> uh, she also continued on Patreon uh, and said, kerfuffle and claptrap. This episode is already great. <laughs> yeah, I think we mentioned kerfuffle and claptrap for Terminator. That's right. Um, well, we like the word kerfuffle. And claptrap. And claptrap. It's a new favorite. Mm-hmm. And Nicole over on Patreon said, the one detail I've never been able to get over in the movie is the $4.50 cover charge at Tech Noir. Not $5, $4 and some change. That's just annoying for everyone. <laughs> just making fucking change at a busy nightclub all night long. And poor Sarah is terrified and on the run. And now she has to look for loose change. I'm surprised she didn't just throw her whole ass purse at the guy. <laughs> You know, what's funny is like when I watched it for our recording, that's exactly the same thing that I was like actively annoyed by that. I don't even think that I noticed it, really. I did. I know. I was so annoyed by it. It's like 450. What the fuck? Isn't that expensive for like 1980 or whenever this is? Also, why 50 cents? 
I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm like almost 42 years old. And if I went to a bar or a club and they were like, the cover is $5 or $10, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. I'm about to like drink myself into like being a pickle in your bar. <laughs> you don't need to like take random money. Uh, it's stupid. I hate that. I hate cover charges. Bennett from Patreon said, I'm glad you guys picked this movie. On a subconscious level, I always felt like the Terminator was an 80s slasher flick, but never quite put that together in my mind. I definitely saw it long after growing up watching t2 as well which is a pure 90s action flick so that may have something to do with it and yes while the arnold's prosthetic head effects seem a bit dated now i remember always fast forwarding whenever arnold started cutting into his arm or dissecting his friggin eyeball my god yeah it is kind of gross but i still stand by my dated comment yeah i remember that kind of blowing me away as a kid i'd never seen gore like that Mm -hmm. certainly someone doing it to themselves yeah i don't that's one of my things in like horror movies if someone has to like pull it like a, a fingernail off or some shit like that i'm like that's just fucking nasty and i can't yeah. <laughs> i thought it was the bone breaks also that i mean it's like an audible like bone breaking sound yeah it's just like oh my god it's just, it just makes my stomach churn Ugh, god there's a lot of that in Candyman, by the way it's gross the unknown patron over on Patreon, obviously, left us a comment, too. And he says, there's a video of Arnold getting his COVID shot and then saying, come with me if you want to live. Also, only on this podcast could an assault on a police station be called a kerfuffle. Well, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> only here will you get that kind of quality content. <laughs> yeah, and I did look it up. He does say that in his drive through window or whatever while he's getting his shot. I think you posted that link over on Patreon too. So if anyone is so inclined to watch it, there it is. Mm -hmm. At Mighty Kreskin said on Twitter, horror? Okay. Yeah, I don't. How do you feel about this comment? Well, the the film, if you just have the tiniest little bit of perspective, is an obvious slasher, right? We also know where James Cameron got his idea for it. So. You know, I was like, I, I, I feel like it kind of, we don't even have to argue it. You know, it is, is what it is. And you know what? I, on over on Twitter, like this guy doesn't follow us, right? So he must have seen somebody retreat our posts, right? Yeah. And so he, I don't think he listens to our show, right? But I mean, like comments like that are not super helpful to a conversation, right? I think you said that earlier when he commented, yeah. right? Like, at least tell us why it's not horror instead of, like, being such a jerk about it, really. Yeah, it was a little sarcastic, a little, little sassy, but you know what? It's okay. Uh, most everything is subjective, you know, but honestly, this is pretty squarely a horror movie. I mean, I agree. So, yeah. hey, uh, Mighty Kreskin, if you want to come back and tell us why it's not horror, if you're actually listening to this episode, then we welcome that comment. So, Dr. Joe over on Patreon said, really enjoyed the episode this week. I will say I've never really thought of The Terminator as a horror film. Okay, here we go. But I can see how one could make that argument. I mean, there's a ton of movies out there I would consider horror that are branded suspense or thrillers. That said, thinking of genre tropes, stalking and hunting down an individual and a large body count, The Terminator definitely falls into the horror category i mean <laughs> just because something has sci-fi elements you know doesn't make it a completely different genre that would mean like the terminator is in the same category as like star trek and it's just not no right i mean i would still call the terminator horror adjacent you know what i mean but um less so than other movies that we've called horror adjacent so i'd say it's horror movie with sci-fi elements it's like you know there's some adjacency there, but the adjacency is sci-fi. It's sci-fi adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next podcast. Sci-fi adjacent movies. 
We'd have a never-ending flow. Ew. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of cell abortion. <laughs> Sorry. I have to say, too, I think that our latest outtakes are my favorite out of every single one of them that we've put really? out. Yeah, because I've listened to them so many times now, and I just keep cracking up. The fucking coaster <laughs> conversation just cracks my shit up. <laughs> Your coaster sucks. My can bot. You are the Christ. The flouncing fairy. The artsy fairy. That's the cool. artsy fairy. <laughs> Whatever my name is on Etsy. The artsy fairy. Jesus. Oh, God, we're quoting ourselves. This is getting a little too meta for me. From our deep dive into Terminator 2, at RL Terry 1 said, I actually experienced the former attraction at Universal Orlando before watching the movie when I was a kid. Still miss it. While the first is a horror film, I do like T2 more, and I like how there are many ways of closely reading the film. I see Skynet as big government. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, sure. And, and of course, we agree that Terminator 1 is a horror film. T2 is much more action-y. It's, it's, horror, it's certainly horror-adjacent. You know, it's more of like an action sci-fi with, with horror elements. But um, yeah, I could see that read. Skynet is big government and, and everything else. There's a lot of different facets to the story. Yeah, I mean, and I, I kind of like the idea of like reading, you know, more closely into that movie. Because I think a lot of people just look at it as like popcorn fodder, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot going on in there. So... I'm a little concerned that we only got one comment for Terminator 2 with so many for the first one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, like, maybe just people haven't thought about the Terminator in a long time and, like, more people watch Terminator 2 more often. I don't know. But it was our one comment. Maybe we just had a very uncontroversial Terminator 2 episode. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, we did get another comment from our deep dive on Alien 3. Timmy underscore the creator over on Instagram said, I somehow like this movie. I know it's brilliant, but it has a special place, just like Jurassic Park 3. And he made the cry laughing emoji. Did he mean to say he knows it's not brilliant? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but that's that's what he said. So um, the cry laughing emoji made me think that he doesn't really like the movie. I mean, but like, I, I kind of like Jurassic Park 3. So I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's better a, than two, right? Um, uh, no, but I don't remember. It's another conversation. <laughs> Wait, Jurassic Park three is the one with the raptor that goes Alan. <laughs> yes. God damn it. There's a whole set piece of like the birdcage thing, and I really liked it. Uh, that part of it, at least. But the all the rest is kind of yeah. All the rest is kind of like William H Macy just running around screaming. Mm-hmm. That's right. From our Flamers flashback into Prometheus and Covenant, DW over on Patreon said, yes, deep dive both. Alien is my favorite horror franchise, probably because I don't count three, Resurrection or anything with the Predator. Strong cast in Prometheus and Covenant, including Fassbender. And I love the return to the cosmic horror of the original. We're, we definitely warmed up to Prometheus and, and Covenant honestly and yes we definitely plan on deep diving them uh, and i guess continuing the tradition of next uh summer blockbuster season probably july that's right um yeah we're, we're gonna put them somewhere in there and really just like close out the franchise we've changed our minds completely and uh speaking yeah. of which we got a comment on that flashback episode from brandon over on patreon and he says great mini episode it really left me wanting to hear your deep dive so i'm very excited for next july i haven't seen either movie since they came out and like you i had such a disdain for them upon first viewing 
I think for me, it was too much of a disconnect from the previous Alien films. Aside from the fact that there was no Ripley, which immediately infuriates me, the movies went off in too many directions. Life, death, creation, etc. For me, I really didn't care about any of that, or where the Xenomorph originated from. Frankly, I find it scarier not to know. However, this episode has me wanting to experience the movies one more time to give them a benefit of the doubt. Definitely will do so before your deep dive. Definitely rewatch them because, yeah, I was shitting on them for years and then I finally rewatched them with some space after I got over my expectations. You know, there's a lot of expectations hanging on those films, you know, and uh, when we rewatched them, I think both of us appreciated them a lot more. That's right. I think this is probably the first time on our regular feed that we're talking about these movies, right? So obviously, listeners, we did Alien 3 and Resurrection back in July, and we had planned on just doing a quick, you know, short episode over on Patreon for the the prequels, because we didn't care for them originally, and now we kind of love them, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Look forward to that. So. Yeah. Love is a strong word, but, you know, we'll get around to it next year and see if it's still shiny and new because we did watch them right after Resurrection and Alien 3. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh. And from our Flamers flashback on Dick Tracy that just released not too long ago, Dr. Joe from Patreon said, oh, my God, you did it. You pulled the trigger on Dick Tracy. You are now my official favorite people ever. Yes. Oh, my God. Chris's assessment of Madonna pre-Evita is spot on. You can hear a distinct voice change after her Evita performance. The episode is 10 stars out of five. You talked about Madonna pre-calling her Madge. Anything after Madge days are just Gen Z fodder. Well, we're some old bitches, so I'm in. <laughs> We're not. We're certainly not Gen Z. <laughs> I always hated that nickname, Madge. Madge. I know. <laughs> like who calls her that? Like really, British people. <laughs> oh, oh, well, <clears throat> yeah, we enjoyed watching Dick Tracy and talking about it. So another um, another flashback episode on Patreon, and the next comment comes from our second flashback episode in August over on Patreon, where we covered Darkman, and Brandon said, loved watching this movie as a kid on HBO. I really liked, but was also creeped out by the skin bubbling scene. At the time, I thought the effects were skin crawling. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah, I remember being fairly effective when I first saw the movie way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of gross, right? And still kind of gross, you know? Mm-hmm. I did enjoy watching that movie for a second time, so. Yeah. And uh, a deep cut into our deep dive of Carrie, uh, Bennett over on Patreon said, I have a burning question. How do the whites afford to live on their own? It doesn't seem like Margaret has a day job. And unless she makes enough money harassing people door to door with her Bible on a weekly <laughs> basis, I don't see how she makes any money for her or her daughter. Am I missing something or am I overthinking this? Well, it could be uh, welfare. It could be, uh, honestly, the guy, I think Carrie's real dad is still around somewhere. He might be play- paying child support. Um She's taking donations. I don't know if she's using them. I don't know. Margaret White's fucked up. I feel like in the novel, she had a job, right? I couldn't I couldn't tell you what it is because I've com- completely forgotten it. She could have been like a, a seamstress or a tailor or something. I, I don't know. I mean, but I, I think that they explained it a little bit more. But yeah. in the movie, I think you're just led to believe that she's harassing people with her Bible. So I think that makes you, sense. Yeah. So, but I mean, good question. I don't know. If anyone knows the answer, let us know on social media. Okay. Uh, from our deep dive into the ghost in the darkness. So this is a blast from the past. Yeah. Bennett over on Patreon said, this episode is the first episode of your show that I remember listening to during last year's COVID shutdown period. I've seen this film first at home in my college years, and it pretty well terrified me. I saw it again as in a college course. 
and was surprised to hear my classmates burst out laughing during the nightmare sequence where the wife and baby get attacked. I guess it was kind of corny the way it was done, but still, my god. Then again, I had a lot of college film courses like that, where college brats just laughed at anything and everything. I think that's a that's a good take, because, yeah, anytime we'd watch a movie that made people uncomfortable uh, in film school, and we had a large audience, like, kids they just start laughing like they're uncomfortable. They're nervous. And if, especially if you're next to someone that's really affected, like they, they jump or something or they freak out, people tend to laugh. And then when people laugh, other people laugh. So I think that's just it because I still stand by that scene as being very effective. I mean, we both kind of gushed over how effective that scene was in that episode, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the like most horrifying moments in that movie, you know? And like, I really haven't thought about our episode on Ghost in the Darkness in a long time. And now I want to go back and re-listen to that and watch the movie again. Especially since like 99% of the shit that those lions did, they actually did, you know, in the real story. Like, so (laughs) it's even more terrifying knowing that. I only had, I, I took some screenwriting courses in college and then I took one like film appreciation class. Right. And you're right. I mean, like some people are, they just don't want to watch the movie that they're being presented with. Right. And I think that also plays a part in it too. So, so we got some voicemails. I love that. We're getting all these voicemails, like every shooting the flames now. Right. So, I mean, Really, it makes us happy. For those of you who are interested in leaving us a voicemail, please do so at 972-666-7733 and let your voice be heard just like these people. And uh, we've got actually three from Bennett and one from Kimberly. So let's go through Bennett's. Hello, Tired Queens. This is Bennett, uh, one of your uh, fans as well as now one of your new uh, patrons on Patreon there. Just thought I'd finally call in and give a voicemail to your uh, your hotline, as I know you like to say. Anyway. Uh, I just wanted to say that I have been a fan for at least you know, maybe a year and a half or so now. I started listening during the uh, shutdowns early last year during COVID there, and I was kind of shut in from and couldn't go to work for you know about two months or so. And so I finally came across uh, Stitcher at the time and came across your uh, uh, program as well. And there among among many other things there, uh, I ended up switching to Spotify once I realized I could get it all there for you know for all together with my music. Anyway, not to digress, but anyway, just wanted to call in and. Show my support to you there. Uh, also mentioned that I, uh, I'm also a film school alum and, uh, so I, and also took some, uh, horror sci-fi and fantasy film course at some point, uh, during my time in film school there. And so it's good to hear other folks, uh, giving their takes on things, especially with a little, uh, queer vision, I guess you'd like to call it there. Uh, I also wanted to say that as a, uh, as a new member on Patreon there, I think I'm just now giving $2 a month as a, uh, Oh, what do you call it? Film, whatever. I forget your first tier's name there. Anyway, I thought I'd call and say that I'd be curious to, well, I could give you an extra, maybe branch that up to $5 uh, a month if, if, uh, Robert is willing to go on, on, on the air and, uh, say some stuff there. Uh, I know I listened to your, uh, episode on Cassie, sorry, Carrie, uh, re-listened to that recently. And uh, I know, know how much Robert likes to say some famous lines from that, I, particularly the ones uh, like, uh, I can see your dirty pillows. They're all going to laugh at you. Uh, but I'd love it if he could say that with, you know, with how he used to love saying that before, but maybe directed at me because it would just fucking crack me up. It just I just loved it there. Anyway, I'll keep listening and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Well, nothing says thank you like dollars in the waistband. So dance, monkey, say those lines. <laughs> hey Bennett, I can see your dirty pillows and I pray you find Jesus. 
There, two lines from Carrie. Come on. But are they all going to laugh at him? They're all going to laugh at you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like, how does she say dirty pillows in that movie? I've already forgotten. (laughs) I can see her dirty pillows. I don't know. (laughs) I pray you find Jesus. Bennett, I'll do it for free. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, technically, the uh, say anything you want in a private recording is actually one of the perks of our highest tier, but we'll do it on the air just for you, just for since you wave some money at us. <laughs> We're horse. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, he left us two more voicemails, so here we go. <laughs> Hello, Tired Queens. This is Bennett calling again there. Uh, just want, first wanted to say thanks for uh, shouting out to me on your uh, last uh, shooting the flames there after becoming one of your uh, patrons on there. Uh, I do occasionally get uh, Jane Austen, uh, uh, with regards to my name, I occasionally get uh, Jane Austen references there. However, I've never had anybody refer to my name as a stripper name, so that's a first, but thanks, Robert. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was also calling up because I listened recently to your uh, episode on Poltergeist, which I think was last year or so. Uh, anyway, I wanted to call up with a couple anecdotes on that because uh, back when I was in film school quite a while back there, uh, I was lucky enough to get Poltergeist in a, uh, Spiel, a class on Spielberg's films and got to see it in 35 millimeter, like on film. So that was a really fun experience there. And I don't think a lot of people in our, in the class had seen it before because, and at least I don't think so there, but it was a large auditorium there that we had for that. And, uh, uh, there was a good amount of audience reaction, but I do remember when the, uh, clown scene came up. Oh boy, did the audience lose it there. That was fun to see that. Uh, more importantly, though, uh, with regards to your the whole debate about whether Spielberg directed it or Toby Hooper directed, you know, who done it or whatever that stuff, uh, I do have another antidote to add to that that might complicate things a little more. Even though I agree with you guys that I think it really was a team effort between the two, and it's really just best to leave it at that. But uh, I, my last semester in college, I was lucky to uh, take a class uh, with. That was uh, it was a film related class for both film students and graduate level film scoring students, and it was like one of the only classes where people from those different disciplines could actually learn how to collaborate and learn how to you know you know talk to each other there, which is actually you don't what from what I hear is actually a cause of a lot of issues between directors and composers in the film industry is that they really just don't know how to communicate with each other, and so this was one class that was trying to help with that there, but the course was taught by. Uh, a guy named Kenny Hall, who I believe uh, was um, Jerry Goldsmith's longtime music editor. And he had, at some point, I know he had done a class and screened parts of Poltergeist. I know he also worked on E.T. that same year, too, with John Williams there. And uh, uh, he had mostly just shared, like, some stories about the challenges with, you know, Poltergeist, you know, in particular, you know, how they worked things out and different things like he did in a lot of classes. But I, at some point, somebody mentioned Toby Hooper, asked something about that. And I just remember him saying something like, something like he and Goldsmith uh, had never met Hooper and had only worked with Spielberg during scoring sessions. Just thought I'd put that little antidote out there. There, and just shared that there. So that's super interesting, Bennett. Thank you. Um, and that kind of lends to our existing kind of theory that, you know, they both had obviously huge hands in it, but that Spielberg was kind of, you know, calling the shots, not only as executive producer, but as, you know, a director in many functions as well. 
And I kind of feel like you would enjoy a class about like directors and like composers working together. I feel like that semester would have been like the shining example of your like college time if you took a class like that. Yeah. So he also left this third one because uh, our voicemail only runs about three minutes, I think. And so it cuts people off. And so he left this last one as a burning question. So let's hear it. Hey, it's Bennett again. I got cut off because I spoke way too long in the last voicemail, but my last question anyway, had to do with about uh, that sound clip that goes with your question about who's the hottest guy each week there. And uh, I've just been burning, dying to ask where the hell you guys found that there, because it sounds like some godforsaken Eddie Murphy movie or something, but I don't know what it is. But anyway, just needed to ask that there. Uh, thanks, as always. I'll keep listening and uh, sweet dreams. Thank you. I will have sweet dreams. But also, I did reply to this on Patreon, I believe, and I sent the uh, YouTube link, which I'll I'll include in the show notes here for anyone that wants. But it's <laughs> some guy that posted to YouTube or Instagram or one of those uh, TikTok, even maybe I don't know. This is a couple years ago, but he saw this you know big hairy muscular daddy guy jogging, and he's in his car. And he's this. <laughs> The whole thing that we have playing. You know, there's, a, there's a longer version. And I will I will play it right now for everyone, the full thing. Bitch, Feliz Navidad, Happy Kwanzaa, all oh, shalom in the hole, come through, Daddy, yeah, Daddy, yeah. Come through, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My God, when you the first time you showed me that video, I just fucking died. <laughs> yeah, so I had to include it. All right, Bennett. So, I mean, like, I already said you had a stripper name. So, I mean, like, maybe if I see you running down the street, I'll just shout that out to you. Right? <laughs> For free, of course. You don't have to be a higher tier on our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. So, our final voicemail is from Kimberly. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys, it's Kimberly. Second try. So, point taken about a crime of the dead. Um, Delta 8 is legal here. Um, I may or may not have already indulged and uh, thought that 10 Things I Hate About You was the most fantastic cinema ever created while shoving chips and onion dip in my mouth. But anyway, I just got done having an um, IUD place today. And um, if shoving a piece of plastic into your womb sounds horrible, it is. I'll just tell you that right now. So it feels like I'm incubating an alien queen. So what better movie to watch right now while I'm recovering than Alien, Aliens, and I might even watch the other two. We'll see how I feel. So anyway, um, yeah, thanks. Keep up the good work, and uh, I'll talk to you later. So not even being sarcastic, that's exactly the type of voicemail that I want to hear more often. Please. Oh, my God. I know. When I first heard that, I was like, this is why she's one of my favorite people. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I also love how she says, like, what better way to do it than watch Alien and Aliens? And maybe I'll watch the other two. Like, she can't even say them by name. (laughs) And I'm glad that she has access to Delta 8 over there and uh, that she thought 10 Things I Hate About You was the most interesting and wonderful movie-making experience of her life. I kind of feel like maybe we should indulge one night and just watch that movie because I haven't seen it like since the theater. Oh, so yeah. It's like Heath Ledger um, before Heath Ledger. That's right. We have a brand new patron to announce. We do. And that's Robert B. Welcome to the Patreon family. Robert, we're super happy to have you over there, where we have a growing family of people who like to comment, as you've heard, 
just talk about at length. And, um, you know, we share things back and forth over there. And joining Robert B. are our patrons at the Film Flamer tier or higher. And they are Ben, Dr. Joe, Kimberly, Lisa, but especially Lisa, and Penelope. That's right. <laughs> Guys, we really appreciate all the support over there on Patreon. And like we talked about earlier, we have bonus episodes like crazy. So head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers, get all of our bonus content, join the family, leave us comments, and um, it'll be a huge part of our next Shooting the Flames episode. That's right. Horror news. First up in horror news, we've got some casting news for The Vampire Chronicles. That's right. We have been talking about uh, The Vampire Chronicles, which is going to be a multi-mini-series like event over on AMC with both Vampires and the Mayfair Witches. And uh, we've gotten our first bit of casting. Yeah, so we found out who is playing Lestat, and it's pretty much, you know... Blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever we'd expect for Lestat, right? You know, some generic McLean rap handsome actor. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he's worked on. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I'm unfamiliar with him. But we do have a notable, which is that uh, Game of Thrones Jacob Anderson is playing Louis in Interview with a Vampire. That's right, and Jacob Anderson played Grey Worm on Game of Thrones, right? Yes. And he is a person of color, which is, of course, probably riling up some of the more racist Anne Rice fans right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I mean, I think he's hot. Yeah, like, in so. principle, I think for fantasy or sci-fi, you know, um, I think it's fair game. You know, uh, I think for things that are meant to be like history or mythology, changing race is, is bad, you know, but this is fiction. The only thing I think I have a weirdness with is that this is supposed to be period France, right? And period New Orleans. And Louis is, you know, like a prominent, fairly prominent, you know, plantation owner and an owner of slaves. So and that's a huge subplot of Interview with a Vampire. And so I'm kind of wondering how they're going to handle that, if, if not completely remove that subplot altogether. If they're going to be, uh, you know, if they're going to be a little bit more di- diverse in this casting, you know what I mean? You know what? I didn't even think about that subplot when I read the article, right? Like I, I, like I saw it and I was like, oh, good. I like that guy. I think he's attractive. I think he'll be good. I'll watch him over multiple episodes of a miniseries, right? Yeah. And um, I never thought about the fact that he did own slaves in that in that book. That is a big part of the first part of that novel and movie. Yep. Right? Yeah, it is. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, you know, if they're making things diverse, why not make it, you know, Quentin Tarantino style kind of wishful thinking, not necessarily wishful thinking, but, you know, kind of revisionist history a little bit and make some of the slaves white, you know, that might be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to do something like that, then just go of course that, on board with that. That, you know, spits in the face of, you know, all the history that goes along with that, you know, sure. so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. This is kind of tricky. Um so the only way I can see them doing it is if they just remove that as a plot, which is, you know, that's fine, you know, but if they're splitting this movie into, sorry, if they're splitting this book into like six different parts in a miniseries, then, you know, they're going to have to replace it with something else. I don't know. I mean, I I think they could very easily just like get rid of that subplot like entirely and, I, and I, just like move into it. You know? Yeah. And I do wonder since they're starting with Interview the Vampire, if they're actually the first three is going to be like maybe or at least flashbacks into the vampire list stat since that comes first 
you know, that book came first. Well, I mean, it didn't come first in, in the book series, but it is telling the story of Lestat that takes place way before Interview with a Vampire. And there's still no word really on when these are going to air, right? So yeah. I, I think I have enough time to start listening to these books. I did use some of my Audible credits to get the Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned. So I'm going to work my way through it. So you should be very happy about that, Chris. Hell yeah. So do it with me. You're going to love it. Next up on our news, there is another remake coming, and it is a new version of Salem's Lot and is coming from James Wan. So one of my favorite, you know, recent horror directors um, doing one of my favorite authors, Stephen King. Right. And um, they have announced some casting for that, too, although I'm really not sure about who this person is. His name is Lewis Pullman, and he apparently was in Stranger's Prey at Night. So I've only seen that movie the one time. I can't really, like, remember who he is. But I really like James Wan, and I, I appreciate his work, and I want to see what he would do with some Stephen King. So it really makes me excited to, like, read this piece of news. Yeah. Have we heard any uh, early reviews for James Wan's newest malignant yeah no i haven't read anything yet i know like it's in a very short amount of time after this episode will drop uh, it'll be on hbo max and in theaters so i saw a different trailer for it and i'm a little bit more interested than i was oh really before yeah they didn't change much i think they they gave away a little bit less than the second trailer so okay and maybe i forgot enough about the first trailer to be happier i don't know okay well yeah i wasn't impressed with the trailer so we'll just have to see that's right so i mean if we watch malignant and we end up hating james wan maybe i'll never see this version of salem's lot <laughs> who knows coming soon first up we've got a trailer for yellow jackets which is going to be a series on showtime and it is looking great because it has christina ricci and juliette lewis which just looks amazing yeah i mean it looks like sort of like girls soccer team meets lord of the flies meets alive (laughs) yeah so it looks like most of the you know traumatizing parts of the story happened before the series begins right and so it's kind of flashbacking a little bit maybe and we're kind of unraveling the mystery of what actually happened when these people were like stranded in nowhere and like organized themselves in some sort of like lord of the flies thing until they were rescued and it looks like a lot of creepy shit happened and went down and i am loving the trailer so everyone go out look at the show notes or just look up yellow jackets on youtube or something and check it out yeah, because you already know we stand some Christina Ricci, so we're going to watch it no matter what, just because she's yeah. in it, I'm sure. Juliet Lewis. <laughs> just need Parker Posey. <laughs> oh my god! You just made the show better and it hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> I would die. <laughs> if it was those three, oh my god. <laughs> uh, the next uh, trailer that we watched is for a movie called Intrusion. This is coming to Netflix. And this stars Logan Marshall Green and Frida Pinto. And it's about a couple who live in some sort of fantabulous house and uh, someone breaks into it. And Frida Pinto's character is trying to unravel the mystery as to who that person was. Yeah. So it looks kind of, I don't know. I'm less impressed with this one. It's obviously Logan Marshall Green. Yeah, I mean, like, clearly. I mean, yeah. The, the wearing, like, the Ted gets... Bundy glasses or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. 
we were watching the trailer together before we started recording and he was like he looks like a serial killer i'm like yeah they just gave the whole entire movie away the thing is i like logan marshall green so i mean i'll still watch this movie i just wish he had a beard yeah he looks better with beard. Mm-hmm. and frida pinto was really good in slumdog millionaire so i mean like i i don't know i'll watch this just just for the cast you know but the movie looks boring as fuck Next up, we've got Shelter in Place, which we believe is going to be video on demand. And uh, this one is about uh, this this couple that's honeymooning, I believe, in the, the Roosevelt Hotel. And that's in L.A., right? Yeah. And uh, they're in a blackout, I guess. Or there's blackouts every night. And they're also, I think, quarantining. I'm not sure. And uh, this is kind of keeping it a little bit close to the chest, but there's a lot of creepy, weird stuff going on in this hotel. I don't know if it's haunted or if there's serial killers on the list, but it looks creepy as fuck. And I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, this is really out of the trailers that we're going to be talking about on this episode, the most horror of all the trailers, right? I think Mm -hmm. everything else is kind of adjacenty, but this has got some really creepy shit, like you said, and it has some elements of things that we're all going through or have gone through in the recent past being like quarantined or having to shelter in place. Right. So I think is a phrase that we heard a lot in 2020. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, it looks scary. It looks kind of off putting and the music is kind of nice. So I, I'm looking forward to this. I will watch it because I feel like it will scare the shit out of me. Exactly. The last trailer, and it's not even a trailer. It's more of a teaser is for a movie called the guilty also on Netflix. And um, the only reason that I would want to talk about it is because you get to see Jake Gyllenhaal's face made out of words. And I just like to see his face. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on in this one. Yeah, he like plays some sort of 911 operator trying to like assist someone who's been abducted. And I've just seen that movie before. Right. But I would sit there and watch Jake Gyllenhaal read a phone book. So I don't care. (laughs) Get through, Daddy. <laughs> now come through, Daddy. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine when we finally visit Los Angeles if we ever saw Jake Gyllenhaal like walking down the street? What kind of an ass I would make of myself? <laughs> you just recreate that whole video in the car. I know. No, I'd get out of the car. I would say it directly into Happy his face. Kwanzaa. <laughs> Shalom in the home. <laughs> Oh my God, I love him so much. Well, guys, that about wraps up this episode of Shooting the Flames. And as always, we want to know what you think about our episode. Maybe you want to talk about some of the comments that you heard, some of the trailers we talked about, or some of the horror news. You can do all of that on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com, or you can call our hotline. At 972-666-7733. Stripper name is standing by. (laughs) Bennett is standing by to take your call. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) Oh my god. We've already talked about where you can leave us a review for our podcast and where you can find all of our bonus episodes. So please do all those things because we have another Shooting the Flames episode coming out in October. But before that, what's going on in September, Chris? Well, what is going on September? We've got wood and we're giving you wood. (laughs) (laughs) We're giving you tons of wood. Elijah Wood. That's right. With the faculty. And Maniac. 
And we're going to be releasing a poll soon on other horror-adjacent or straight-up horror Elijah Wood movies for you to pick on over on Patreon. So uh, keep watch out for that. That's right. Tell us your favorite Wood. All right, Chris. Well, I think it's time for me to uh, go off and get my Wood ready for the rest of the month. <laughs> so um, do you want to have some... Sweet dreams. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard when you were doing this over the internet. I'm so ready to record together. It's ridiculous. God, it doesn't give me what? (laughs) The faculty will, though, I promise. (laughs) 